Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and the all-new Nick Perbabas. Hey everyone, I'm well-mannered now. Yeah, oh wow. I didn't realize we had quite like this level of change. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you gotta try new things, you know? Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I've, uh, I've, like, you know, I've picked up, um, building digital Lego sets, and that's my new thing this week. That's nice. Yeah, it's very relaxing. I found out that just, like, you know, they, there's apps that let you do that, and you can, like, import actual Lego sets, and I've just found that, like, you know, really, that's my, that's my heaven. That's, you know, if, if I believed that heaven existed, I would believe that, uh, you know, mine would be just me, some friends, building some Legos. Legos are very quaint. I, I, I personally, I, I like Legos. Uh, mm. what, do you, what, what do you think the most impressive Lego thing you've ever built was? Um, I don't know, man. I was, uh, I, you might remember this. I was like really into Bionicle when I was a kid. So I mean, probably something with those. Okay. Are those Legos? Yeah, they are. They're like a different sort of sub brand. Um, and they use like different systems, uh, but they, they still, you know, there are ways that they interact with like standard Legos, standard bricks. Um, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Okay. I think the most impressive thing I ever built was like this weird Star Wars ship with the gray guys from the Phantom Menace. Remember those guys? The, uh, the accountants trade federation. That's it. The end End of my story. The ship was okay. Cool. Mm. Legos are really expensive. Yeah, Legos are really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that's why I've been using this app, just because I could absolutely not afford like, any, any sort of Lego set that I'd actually want to build. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. You should do a, like one of those really big ones. The legendary oh, yeah. Um, you should there's do... like the, the, the huge Millennium Falcon. Yeah, you should do that. Which is like, I think probably the biggest Lego set. Dude, that's probably ever. like... 300 400 bucks oh <laughs> low balling it's like 800 900 what wait wait wait. let's let's google this how much for, is the uh, um death star Bucking. thing that's a classic death star is like 300 maybe 200 i don't know and you think that the millennium falcon is double that i know for a fact it's over double that what that's insane i mean okay okay allow me to explain there there are Various models of Millennium Falcon. They have like a. a, a I know what you're talking a normal about. One. I've been to like the Lego 50. store. No, no, no. I understand, Joe. The really big box. Yeah, the really big collector. I've one. been to a Lego store. Okay, I know which <laughs> Millennium Falcon you're talking about. Oh, punk! Not the keychain oh, one. Glad. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. There's like the 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 big one, and then there's the big one. Joe, I know. I know the big one. It's big. It's super big. I get it. <laughs> It can't possibly be bigger than I'm imagining. <laughs> Unless. <laughs> Joe, how big are we talking? We're talking like I probably would not have a place to put this in my house. Not because it's as big as my house, but because like there would just be like no convenient way to store it. <laughs> okay. So it's like a couple feet long? A couple feet the long way? As I understand it, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Nick, you want to tell me about your thing for this week? I do, quickly, because I'm I'm not that excited about it, honestly. But it's the only thing I've been really actively partaking in, um, okay. if that makes sense. I can read a couple of other books, but I gave up on them, or I'm like only starting them. 
Um, so this is a book that I'm audio booking just for the full honest experience because some people, I use the term read for when I'm talking about books and they flip out when they find out I'm not actually reading it. So I'm not actually <laughs> reading it. Uh, some I, man, th- I think that audiobooks are entirely valid and those people should shove off. Look, I mean, I also read, but like, I, I don't know, sometimes it makes more sense. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not explaining myself. Um, but this one is Sapiens by Yuval Noah. So I'm audiobooking that, and some man is reading it to me instead of me reading it myself. So it's sort of like going to the gym and watching someone else lift weights. It's a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm up to. <laughs> it's, uh, it's recorded by this, you know... Oh, the subtitle here. It's called Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, to give you that. And it like it's read by this like totally like documentary voice British guy who I don't know who he is actually. So it makes it feel like a I put my headphones in and I walk around and it's like it's like I'm watching the footage to a documentary about humans, which is pretty cool. Would you would you describe him as like a David Attenborough type? I don't know who that is, but I mean I feel like my description before is pretty adequate. And if that's the name <laughs> you came up with, then then yes. And yeah, David Attenborough is like the guy who does a lot of the the BBC nature documentaries. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's like that in a big way. Um, yeah, and it starts off and it's sort of like a vague, like not getting too much in the facts, but you know, a brief history. And it's like, oh, this is you know the what are they all up to? Um, you know, this is um, the agricultural revolution. That stuff does that for a section, and then it sort of branches off into uh, sort of more ideas. So, like, one section is, like, the scientific revolution, and the other is, like, just, I think, that might not be true, but, you know, based on economy, it's, like, it's going by subject matter, the way that subject matter appears in history, like, but the examples used when talking about those things, you know, kind of go all over. Um, Mm -hmm. So, it starts, and you're, like, oh, this is, like, a history, but it's sort of, like, guns, germs, and steel, and you're, like, this is sort of just going um, in a way that makes sense. But then the chronology breaks down and it's sort of just more, it's, it's really more like an essay uh, that this guy wrote. And you're just, a lot of the time you're just listening through his ideas uh, on different aspects of society, stuff like that, um, which I enjoy still. But I feel like, I mean, I, I thought this was going to be more of a history book and sort of the negative reviews that I have read um, seem to want a more, you know, a brief history, like less of his own ideas and more of like hey here's what happened if that makes sense Um, but i i definitely enjoy the book i was not expecting uh, which is an essay by this guy Uh, yeah i mean you you know as as anything you have to take all his everything he says with a grain of salt like this is just what he thinks but it's got some interesting ideas um, in it okay i mean i'm not sure that i would recommend it but it's definitely getting me in a good headspace for sort of thinking about history more and thinking about the humans more and you know that sort of thing so it's definitely good for that uh so my thing this week uh what i'm gonna try to sell you on uh jason aaron's thor series which is actually many series because comic books are crazy uh (laughs) and this thing got relaunched many many times uh there are like five (laughs) Yeah, so there yeah. are like you know seven Thor number ones out there in history, and like five of them are from this. Nice, uh, which I think is just incredibly humorous. Uh, so what this is is it is essentially Jason Aaron's take. He's he's um you know this was I think his first 
real big uh breakthrough in like a lot of like comic stuff i know he did like some wolverine stuff before this but um i think given that this started in 2011 and it went all the way up till last year um this was this kind of carried him through his career in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. uh and so what it is is it's this really epic uh uh reimagination of like the thor sort of marvel uh mythology uh and so what that involves at first is um it's it's uh you know sort of this kind of heavy metal take uh where things are just incredibly bombastic and blown out like we have uh uh thor from the present day uh and he's encountering uh you know himself from the far future and also from the past uh uh, the past version is like a version of himself where like he isn't able to lift the hammer yet uh he's still trying Mm -hmm. uh the future version is from like the end of the universe uh which is pretty crazy um and they they fight like this uh guy who wants to destroy all the gods uh his name is gore the god butcher and it just gets more wild and insane from there uh it uh a lot of the run centers around uh malekith like the evil dark elf uh and him trying to stage a, a war across the realms uh called the war of the realms uh and so this takes us through a lot of different ideas uh one of which is you may remember the the female thor uh jane foster yeah uh in 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 her sort of period of lifting up the hammer they doing that in the movies uh they are yeah in the next one (laughs) cool uh okay so jane foster is you know previously thor's love interest uh they've, they've parted ways for a while uh jane foster recently uh has acquired lung cancer um and uh, what that means is that, uh, you know, since Thor has recently become worthy uh, and, uh, you know, Jane finds his hammer, uh, no one else can lift it. Uh, and uh, by lifting it up, she takes on the form of Thor. Uh, and uh, what that means for her cancer is that it wipes the chemotherapy from her body because it's mm. viewed as a foreign invader. Uh, but the cancer is part of her. So the cancer is getting worse. So every time she lifts up the hammer, uh, you know, she's essentially killing herself just a little more. Cool. Uh, which is some a really cool dramatic device, I think. Yeah. Um, and so that runs through uh, a good chunk of the series, that, that arc of Jane as Thor. Uh, and it, it really fleshes out this idea of, like, um, that I think Jason Aaron is playing with, um, where, like, you know, uh, multiple people can, can like, the sort of the, these gods have multiple personas um and you know they're more about ideas and they're more about striving for uh morality than they are about being like an individual person yeah uh, which is also why he which is also why he brought in like you know those different thors from the different time periods at the beginning uh and so it's just gets increasingly more and more wild and insane it, I, i've never like been so pumped when reading a comic book before huh uh, you know, I, I think the major downside, which is not actually like an element of its storytelling, uh, is just that, as I mentioned earlier, like it was relaunched so many times, really for not much of a reason, because <laughs> it was like selling well. Um, that was that weird period. I remember that was like, you know, four yeah. years ago, three years ago. Yeah, just where like Marvel decided that like, you know, sales would just not go up if they if they didn't relaunch every year, uh, which wasn't really true. <laughs> I don't think as proved by like, you know, the current market where they haven't done that sort of thing in a while and things are just fine. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. 
Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but that was going for a while, and what that meant is that uh, there are a lot of different books with the name Thor on them that are have that have the same creative team uh, and are telling the same story in sequence. But you know, a, a new reader would absolutely have no idea where to start, uh, which I think is it's problematic. Like, uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye had the same thing, right? More or less. Yeah, to to a lesser degree. Um, okay. Those, at least, every time they relaunched, it was like with a different creative team behind it. Yeah. Um, and even then, you can look at the original Mad Fraction Devaja run, and that's like, you know, one book. That's twenty five issues, and they're all like named one through twenty five. Yeah. Which you know, there's just a, a gripe with um, modern serialization of superhero storytelling. Um, Runaways kind of has this too, uh, even though all of those books are called Runaways and they exist in sequence, so it's a bit easier. Yeah. Uh, with this book, you have like Thor, God of Thunder, which leads into Thor, which leads into the Mighty Thor, which leads into Thor again. Okay. <laughs> which is just a little ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was just going to say in the middle, like Mighty Thor jumps from like 23 to 700 because uh, they added it up and they decided that they were at Thor, Thor number 700. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Which is just like this only makes things harder for people. Yeah. Uh yeah. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I I heavily recommend it. I think Wait, so it, where, yes. where where do I start? Uh so you would start with Thor God of Thunder, which is a 25 issue series. Uh and then so here's the thing. This does intersect with some events. Uh and uh, uh, which is Original Sin, which oh, I've actually read Original Sin. Oh, have you? Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> no, it's not good. Um, yeah, but I actually um, I know but... about that. So what's the deal? Yeah, everyone like gets a big uh, secret revealed, and his secret is that he has a sister, and yes, uh, his sister is someone bad, maybe hot for Angela. sure. Oh, I remember her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they moved her to the Guardian series because they didn't know what to do with her. I remember this. <laughs> Yeah, she was hot. Um, yeah, and, and she <laughs> and she's from like the tenth realm, which is heaven, but like right. with no A. <laughs> what does she ride? She definitely rides something. Like, uh, no, I no don't know. Uh, she didn't. Doesn't... She didn't ride anything in the book that I read. Does, does she have wings? Uh, she doesn't. That's her bit. That she's the one angel from heaven without right. wings. Well, I think she rides. Actually... In... What do I search in the internet to find this character? Uh, Angela Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> oh, maybe she doesn't. Maybe I made that up. Mm. Yeah, I think you did. I always thought she... she's she's not prominent in this book, but she shows up enough, and she didn't write anything, to my knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Man, she is really ridiculous. <laughs> when did when did they create this character? This... Okay, so here's here's the deal. Angela, I'll try to be short because it is actually incredibly complicated. Okay. Uh, Angela was originally an Image Comics character created for Spawn. What? Uh, by Neil Gaiman. Uh, but yeah. the deal with Image Comics characters is that, um, you know, the creator owns the rights to them. Um, cause that, that's something that they wanted to do, but Spawn is a Todd McFarlane series. 
Uh, so there was a, a legal battle for a long time over who owned this character because Neil Gaiman had created her for Spawn, but like, you know, he had made her. Yeah. Um, and so that went on for a long time. Eventually, the, the courts decided that Neil Gaiman owned Angela. Um, and then he went to Marvel and gave her to them. And that's the that's the short story in this bit where Angela is introduced to the Thor mythology and then goes off to Guardians of the Galaxy is part of that. That was part of her introduction. OK, I don't I don't think she's shown up for a while, but I, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't think they knew what to do with her. <laughs> I have not read that full uh, Guardians of the Galaxy run. I know she has her fans, uh, but I also don't think she shows up much after that ends. Yeah. You want to move on to the main event? Okay, tonight, Nick, we are talking about Pixar's Onward, which is a new movie that just got released this past weekend. Uh, I really liked it. What do you think? Um, I thought it was pretty good, too. I, I mean, I definitely... I, I went alone, which is always a weird thing to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, you know, I, I've, still I've in... never actually done that. Ooh, I have friends. Good for you. Um, yeah, no one, <laughs> no one wanted to see it with me, so... But I definitely... I came, I came in, and I was like, this is weird. And then I came out, and I was like, oh, I really enjoyed that movie. So that's, I guess, my uh, more... Uh, more vague review is yeah. that is that I, I really liked it <laughs> yeah so I, yep. <laughs> my thing about this movie is that i i, I really liked it you uh, really you know, liked I, it this is this is maybe the most profound emotional reaction i've had to a pixar movie <laughs> really uh yeah man i was i was uh sobbing in the theater <laughs> that's crazy um i think yeah, it's really really good uh, i don't think it's like top pixar um I think that's fair. I think the, the, the thing about this movie is that it is, you know, the same general structure of every other good to very great Pixar movie. Uh, you know, the, the, the sort of character dynamics and situations play out in the same sort of way, if that makes sense. Like, it's the same story structure. Um, it just has trappings that appeal to me, and it's, it has themes that appeal to me. Um which a lot of Pixar movies generally don't or didn't because I saw them at a younger age. Okay. This um, one's about, um, this one's about family. Is that, is that? Yeah. It? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like most of them are about family, but I think I this can't... one has the, the, the very specific niche of, um, you know, being about brothers with a very close relationship dealing with, uh, the absence of a father, which is, Multiple things that I'm kind of a sucker for. Uh, well, that's what the movie's about. It's about two two elf brothers. Everything's elves. Everything I'm going to say everything like it's normal, but put a <laughs> filter on where everything is is slightly fantasy-like. So two brothers yeah, sure. hanging out in their house. Um, I mean, because that's all, right? At least at the beginning. It's just like, just put those goggle yeah, goggles on. There's Ian, who is a, a, a sort of... Shrimpy. cowardly nerd yes uh, he has no friends none not a single yeah, except friend. for his big brother barley who's Which on does a, not, a, apparently does not count. uh <laughs> who's on apparently a very long gap year uh <laughs> yeah which is a fun little detail they put in there thought that was funny uh 
And Barley is obsessed with this game that is not Dungeons and Dragons, uh, but in their universe is a historical role playing game. Um, I like because they exist in a universe where where that is essentially urban fantasy, where where magic used to exist, uh, but now things are you know more or less modern times, but with fantasy creatures. Um, so there are elves, there are uh, you know manticores, uh, fairies around, uh, but they're basically normal people. Yeah, there's like mermaids too. That was funny. Yeah, and so how do, what, how do what they, they operate? <laughs> and so what they discover is that um, you know Ian actually has the ability for magic, and also that their father left them uh, uh, the staff and these instructions uh, to perform a spell that would bring him back for one day. Because Ian has never met his father, and Barley just has a couple memories of him. Uh, and so this, you know, so they, they try to activate this spell. Uh, it only works halfway where their father, uh, shows up, but is a pair of legs, uh, and can't talk, can't hear anything. Um, we have a movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so the two, the two brothers go on a, a travelogue quest, uh, to, to find another gem to, uh, to bring their father back. Uh, which would only last until sunset the next day. So there, there's your ticking clock for the movie. Yeah, pretty good setup. Uh, how how yeah. are we feeling, Joe? How do you feel at this uh, point I'm, in the movie? So at this point in the movie, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I find it a little dull. Uh, I agree. Know, I, I'm, I'm on board, uh, but I think you know there, there's nothing that is actively sucking me in. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still at the point I was entering the movie, uh, where I was like, okay, this is probably going to be mediocre. Um, because the trailers for this, I have not paid too much attention to, but they didn't make a particular impression on me. Uh, I sort of found them to be kind of lacking, uh, in substance. Like I had the sense that this is sort of a story about fatherhood. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was nothing really selling me besides the gimmick, which while obviously, uh, we at out of our heads HQ are a sucker for this sort of thing. Sure. Uh, I I approve this message. It wasn't doing that much for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, because it seemed it seemed kind of boring. No, I agree. Like they weren't doing that much with the concept. Yeah, it's like the concept didn't. I don't know. I, for the first time ever, I'm gonna say I didn't like the character design in a Pixar movie or the Whoa. set design. I mean, I didn't love it. Like it was not particularly great for me to look at. I mean, like it was, but like not really. Um, uh, I was a little uncomfortable sometimes. Not really uncomfortable, but like. At one point, Ian goes into a McDonald's, and it's like, oh, that's that's just a McDonald's. Like, this is weird. <laughs> I don't like watching this elf being a McDonald's. Um, but later in the movie, when they get into like the open fields, that's awesome for me. Yeah, but I didn't yeah, love the character design, honestly. I thought it was pretty lame. I think yeah. that's fair. I think they they strike a, a difficult balance, which is that I think they're fairly appealing in this art style. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think if they were portrayed in, in any other way, in any way that was like, you know, perhaps like less technologically advanced, just because Pixar has sort of this kind of animation down to a science, like it is very pretty, um, it would be a lot less appealing to look at. And it is a little bit generic. I'll give it that. I was feeling like, oh, a lot of this is just gimmicky and like not that funny. Like the way that Monsters University was like, haha, like this monster is a snail, like he's going to be late to class. Like, this one has, like, ah, I can't actually remember any. If you remember, jump in. But, um, <laughs> but like, oh, he's he's a mermaid. He's got he's to gotta stay in the pool. That's a joke. You know what I mean? Like, 
things like that. Sure. Yeah. Or like, you know, the, the unicorns are, are, are acting like dogs, um, which is are know, one of the things that Wait I... Wait a moment. Wait a moment. That's not true. Aren't they? Dude. Or like raccoons? Yeah, they were like scavengers. I thought that was actually kind of funny. Okay. That they were like pests. I think that's kind of funny. Yeah. yeah so, kind of like, um, the dragon I, I would add that... The little dragon. <laughs> It's like, oh, the dragon's yeah. a dog. Like the trailers. That's what the trailers are. I was like, this is kind of dumb. Like, this is kind of, yeah. All right. right. As you were. Onward. Uh, you know, I, I would add that I think later in the movie, like, it, it does really sort of flesh out its art style and its world. And, like, the, the scenes, I think, at night with the cityscape are really cool. I agree. Uh, same with, like, you know, the later scenes we get where uh, we're, like, out in the plains and the mountains. Uh, I agree. Also very cool. Um, it's the, it's, you know, the city itself that we see at the beginning that I think is a little lackluster. I agree. It keeps getting better, especially like the final act has like, I'm like, oh yeah, this works. This is great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what this is for a lot of it, um, you know, uh, there are complications that arise from uh, their mom's boyfriend is a cop uh, and he's sort of chasing after them because he's also know, a horse. <laughs> he's also a centaur. <laughs> what? Uh, How would they know that? <laughs> No, it's important, to, it's important to mention. Yeah. Um, and so their mom is going on a little arc where she meets up with this manicure lady uh, that had sort of helped them out at the beginning. Um, and uh, they're going on a quest to, to chase after the two boys. It's a road trip yeah, which, um, yeah. Uh, something I thought this this movie was really good at in a lot of certain instances is for some reason I really believe the danger when yeah, it was happening. I agree. Um, there's, there's a bit in the middle uh where ian has to create a spell to uh cross a a chasm um and to do this he has to to believe that a that an invisible bridge is there that he can walk on and if he ever doesn't believe that then you know he he will fall (laughs) and it's it's really difficult to watch because you absolutely believe the stakes um which is kind of incredible yeah i think there's some like especially like once you get on the road with these two wacky characters, everything starts being way more fun and like picks up from that like down spot that we were talking about where it's like this is okay, and like every every new thing for me was yeah. like more and more interesting and like more and more nice to look at and like more and more mm-hmm. I was invested in it, which is sort of a weird feeling in a movie because usually like if it's not a great movie, it's not going to be great the whole time. You know what I mean? Like th- this movie yeah. felt like it was improving. But this just gets better and better. Yeah, yeah, which is like super fun. Like especially on this like road trip vibe they're going for. Like I like the Manticore mm-hmm. character. Is that her name? I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, she's called the Manticore. Okay, she's cool. really fun. Yeah, she's fun, and that's like the first character we meet. And then you get on this like weird car chase thing, which I won't get into. And then the bridge thing you're talking about also cool. Like it just keeps getting prettier, and like I just I thought that was pretty great. Um. Yeah, yeah, dude. The um, all the all the the bits of the beginning, uh, where they're on the highway and that like creates a lot of the danger. Yeah, is just really funny to me as someone who, not too long ago, learned how to drive. Yeah, I thought you would like that the merging thing. Uh, yeah, just merge. Yeah, no, that was. I was thinking of you. Like they they have yeah. a bit with hand signals. Yeah, which is just. Thought that was good too. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, if nothing else, the the middle bits of this movie, are super fun and like undeniably like fun and like for me just because they're new but like i don't know like definitely interesting i know i was criticizing it earlier but like it's kind of it's kind of weird to like be in this setting where it's like there's iphones but also like magic um Mm -hmm. and when that when that gets more when you get more into the movie 
it's super fun i think like yeah like the pixies were using motorbikes that's just that's hysterical like (laughs) (laughs) and like later they're uh they're like learning to fly and they get caught on someone's windshield yeah it's like you know it's funny yeah um uh, something I'm really impressed with in general in this movie is that it, it's just really precise storytelling in that everything comes back. Uh, th- there's not a scene wasted here, I would argue. Sure. Um, there, there are so many <laughs> uh, just very satisfying Chekhov's gun moments in mm-hmm. this film. Yeah, everything comes like um, around, like lines and like um, all the characters and like sort of how the characters are feeling. All It all comes around. Right. Yeah, and not in a way that I was expecting. I remember, like, when uh, a couple months ago we were talking about an absolutely remarkable thing, and in that book, there's, you know, a very clear uh, Chekhov's gun object uh, that is signaled to the audience over and over again. Uh, in this movie, I was consistently surprised and delighted when a thing came back, <laughs> which is not something I can say for a lot of stories. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I really enjoy. Um, a lot, of, a lot of the the later parts of this movie, uh, where we do get more into the sort of Dungeons and Dragons style quest adventure, uh, as the characters lean into that, and as we lean into that uh, with the film, uh, there's a great Led Zeppelin joke in this. <laughs> there was a Led Zeppelin. What? The Stairway I to Heaven it. thing, right? I missed that. I would explain. <laughs> uh, the bit where uh, where um. Uh, the bit where they they have to send the van flying into the rocks to stop the cops. Yeah. Uh, Barley inserts a a uh, tape, and it, written on it is uh, "Road to Valhalla." Yeah. Uh, which is which is a a bit. <laughs> it's supposed to be "Stairway to Heaven." Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I did not catch that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was a cool musical moment, for sure. Yeah, uh, that scene in general I just thought was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's like this really great mix of comedy and also, like, triumph, uh, which I always adore. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother and I were the only people laughing at this movie in the theater. <laughs> really? It's, it's pretty yeah. funny. It's a pretty funny movie. Uh, oh, I agree. Yeah. I, I also think it's maybe, it's humor is not niche for the kind of people that would listen to this podcast, I think. Um, but it is maybe one that like children wouldn't quite jive with, um, just because a lot of it is contingent on either recognizing the tropes of of eighties movies, which I don't think you and I are particularly familiar with. But also a lot of it is like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons jokes, yeah, um, or just like you know broadly, do you recognize this motif, um, which is something that I think you know kids either wouldn't recognize and adults maybe would not find as funny as we do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think, I still think you might be right, but I, I still think this movie's pretty like accessible, like fun and funny also. Like, oh, I, I think I don't so. Know. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Like I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like the, the Reddit guy on Rick and Morty where he's like, <laughs> only people with a high IQ can enjoy Rick and Morty. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Um, you know, I that's ridiculous that. <laughs> yeah um yeah so i mean it starts off sort of like we said middle bits you know fun what do you think of the end uh i really love it uh, 
<laughs> this is the part that that had me sobbing, um, which is where Ian, who's been chasing uh, to sort of get this uh, relic to to cast a spell to meet his father that he never had the chance to meet, uh, he sort of realizes that uh, you know he doesn't really need to meet his father because like he's he's had his brother Barley his whole life, um, and you know maybe Barley's the one that really needs to meet their dad uh, because you know, he sort of had a, a rocky ending with, with their dad. Um, and that just broke my heart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a shock for me and also like really worked, yeah. which is really hard to do. I think um, yeah, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's sort not... of like toy story four for me, but I know that you, when we were talking about it, you were like, Oh, I saw that coming a mile away. Like it's sort <laughs> of similar to me where it's like, I would say this is less predictable, but definitely similar, similar vibe for me. Where it's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's uh, sort of what I was talking about with this Pixar thing, which is where, you know, they all sort of have similarly constructed stories um, in the way things pay off and play out. Uh, but it's kind of the, the particular aesthetics of the story and the theming of the story that will appeal to you. Um, you know, I can't say that the story structure of Onward is all too different from that of, like, Finding Nemo. But sure. personally, I find that Onward appeals well, to me more because of what it's about yeah i mean i don't think it's fair to be like it's the same as finding nemo <laughs> like it's it's really not like it's just those two movies are both about like a person trying to find a thing um and like the adventures they like during finding that thing right sure yeah gonna, like any quest story is gonna be like yeah like it's also lord of the rings like it's the same as lord of the rings Right, because oh, I'm I'm just saying that there is a commonality in how Pixar constructs their stories, uh, you know, which I think we can recognize because uh, mm -hmm. they're structured to evoke like similar, not feelings, but like patterns of feelings. I don't know about all that, but let's table that discussion. Okay, tabled, tabled. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I I really love Onward. Yeah. I like it too. Um, I think the ending was, you know, emotional in the way you want. The middle was fun. Um, the beginning was a little rocky, but by the time it wraps up in that like weird twisty sort of way, I'm just like, wow, this was all set up earlier. Like you said, you know what I mean? Like it all comes back. Um, mm -hmm. So I dig it. I dig it thoroughly for that. Also like I, you know, coming out of the movie, I sort of realized that like I was uncomfortable in the suburban setting and got more comfortable in like the fantasy like landscape. And I was like, hmm, maybe that's the point. I'm not sure if it is, but that would make some sense to me. Um, that's interesting. I wouldn't give it that much credit, but I think there's a nugget of an idea there. Yeah, I mean, like, you increasingly get into nature, right? Like, in, throughout the movie. Like, first it's the city, then you get to the tavern, sort of, you know, a little bit away, but still a restaurant. And then, uh, well, then you get still in the city, but, you know, dark, I guess. And then it's, uh, then it's the nature. Okay. You know? And it's like, it's sort of like yeah. the two paths of, you know, he wants to take, what's it called? The path of, uh, Harold? Yes. Harold? Yeah. So I don't know. It's sort of like when he starts taking that, I think the setting becomes more enjoy enjoyable. And then when you go back to the city, I think that's still enjoyable. So I, I was thinking maybe that was a little bit on purpose, but I'm not sure. I'm not going to give him credit for it. I just sort of like in hindsight in the movie, I was like, yeah, maybe it works for me. Cool. Yeah. I, th I think that's an interesting idea. I'm going to throw a little, okay. a little sprinkle of criticism where there was, there's a lot of points in this movie where like 
a thing worked and like the script worked, like you said, like, oh, it all comes together. There's not a scene wasted. Like that's, that's definitely true. Um, but there's definitely some points where I was like, really? Like, like what if you just like sanded that down a little more and it had to make a little bit more sense? You know what I mean? Like when he breaks the, mm-hmm. the crystal to ruin the spell the first time, like obviously, hey, it makes sense. You should ruin it so that now you have half your dad. That's the tension. Like, and like now you need to go find the next one. But like, how did that actually happen? Like he just, like it just, the music changes and the lights change and then his brother pushes him a little and it like breaks. Is that, did you also feel this way about that? scene uh that bothered me in the moment but i think over the course of the movie they sort of explain how the magic system works uh, and it becomes sort of clear that just like oh he wasn't doing it right <laughs> okay i'll take that actually that's a potential then, explanation i don't yeah, think it matters that much there's just like little nitpicks like that throughout it where it's like maybe you guys needed another like pass on this like like the the manticore and the mom like find them later it's like how'd you find them like weren't you going the other way right yeah, I don't care about this. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, little things like that. But that's my only... That's just I just had to I just sprinkle it for the, for the sake of being fully honest, which I am. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I heavily recommend this movie. Yeah, me too. Cool. You want to move on? Sure. Okay, let's do it. Nick, uh, welcome back to the segment we do each and every week on this show. Uh, it's called, uh, What is Joe Going to Do with His Rise of Skywalker Popcorn Tin? Um, what? Did you buy a popcorn tin? Well, well Nick, let me tell you. Uh, so I am I am on break. I'm on spring break. Um, and I came home to my room on Saturday, or, or on Friday, and I found that there was a Rise of Skywalker popcorn tin that I forgot I left there. Uh, now, how this happened uh, is that... When my brother and I went to see Rise of Skywalker back in December, uh, they gave us a free popcorn tin, uh, and we brought it home because we were like, "Sure, yeah, we'll probably want to celebrate this movie mm-hmm. in some you know weird commercial way. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we'll probably like this movie." Yeah. Uh, and then we got out of the movie, uh, and we just had this popcorn tin, uh, and it's been sitting in our house for ages. Um, and I, I think we should just invent potential uses for this popcorn tin. Uh, because otherwise, you know, it's very hard to get rid of. It's it's um, it's tin. Uh, so I I don't know if that's recyclable or or what. <laughs> um, uses for a tin thing, man. You know, I have some good ideas, but I feel like we every week we just get it gets harder and harder to come up with an idea. Um, <laughs> we've already done. You're grow, you're so right. <laughs> grow a plant, like use it as a space hat, yeah. like basketball hoop like a bath for just your foot, <laughs> like just a foot bath. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So now I'm having like a hard time coming up with something. Um, right. You could use it like, you know, like foot armor. That's, that's a new idea, you know, potentially, but like you'd need, I mean, for, for symmetry's sake, you'd need two. No, and, no, no, and... no. You only have one. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> so you put it on one and then you sort of slide around on it and then you can use it for right. kicking and that would be hurtful probably to someone. Let me, uh, let me, let me pitch you something. Okay. Uh, so we, our friend Asa does a lot of metal work or at least some metal work. Uh, what if he made this into a turtle shell? I feel like that you could attach that's straps cheating. To? 
feel like you're basically um, answering the question, what, do I, what can I do with metal instead of what can I do with this metal bucket? I'm saying the point of this segment <laughs> is that we find something to do with this <laughs> raw material that God has given us. <laughs> you know, and I'm saying that it would be pretty useful to have a turtle shell in your everyday life. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> how about like a sled? Like a sled for children. Except they don't have I mean, like if we're they don't control like which direction it goes or like which direction they are in. Like you just sort of put them in, you stuff them in. Oh, I see what you're getting at. You like one of saying, those right? um one of those sort of pouch sleds, right? Yeah, yeah, except it's it's a metal can. And you put yeah, the you exactly. put the can in and you just push it and then the metal can tumbles down the hill. <laughs> and the kid uh, is it, like it, a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean it has to fit. <laughs> Um, obviously you don't want water in the thing cause the baby could drown. Um, but mm-hmm. it doesn't actually have to be winter for this to work because you can just actually just roll the tin down any sort of hill. Um, it doesn't really make a difference. So. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, Same. one of these things is the, the solution. Um, and we'll continue to discuss it next week as we always do year round sled for babies. Uh, yeah. Nick, do you have a wise quote for us to close out the show? Oh, I do. Um, let me, let me get it, because I don't have it by heart. This one's from uh, our friend, the Dalai Lama. I think he's our friend. I don't know. How do you feel about that? He's my friend. Uh, I think he's our friend. I okay. don't know anything bad about the Dalai Lama. Well, that's because he bribes the media. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, he might. I don't know. Um, anyways, he seems like a good guy. I'd call him our friend. Are you ready? Yeah, I'd agree. When, uh, when asked what surprised him most about humanity... He answered, man, exclamation mark, because he sacrifices his health in order to make money. Then he sacrifices money in order to recuperate his health. And then he is so anxious about the future that he does not enjoy the present. The result being that he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he is never going to die and then dies having never really lived. You like that one? That was pretty wise, huh? Huh? I think so. You like that one? That was a good one. That was one of my (laughs) better finds. Um in my life yeah thank you for listening to out of our heads a pop culture podcast from the minds of joe bortner and nick Perpapis. you can contact us at out of our heads pod at gmail.com <laughs> my twitter handle is at joby underscore draws you can read my web comic aeronaut at jobydraws.com uh as always nick has nothing to promote uh we'll be back next week in the meantime don't forget to rate and review us on itunes it would really help with the show bye So is that their race, Tread Trade Federation? Well, no, I think it's their purpose, and I think they were like in charge of the max. Okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, Senator uh, Ross Globus. Globus? Old college friend, old boyfriend. Oh, from, from uh, oh yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> like hunky, hunky guy. Yeah. Hunky guy from random yeah, Clone yeah. Wars episodes. About a bit, because I think he's going to choke man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I did ask. Um...
Okay. Ouais. Ah, 